Hey guys, it's Kelsey, and I'm here to remind you that when Kim and I recorded this episode, we had no idea we'd have so much to say, and things got a little long, but we didn't really want to cut too much. So hopefully earlier this week, you checked out part one of this episode covering chapters one through four, so that today you can enjoy part two, which is chapters five through seven, and the songs for our playlist. Thanks, y'all. Remember, episode two for Akamath will drop next week. But for now, chapter five. So yeah, so Reese, um, he, he interrupts the wedding. Quite literally stops it. And he and 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 Favor, of course, I mean he and he and Tamlin kind of spar a little. And Ianthe is literally trying to back away from Reesand. She whew, she disappears pretty quick. Um Reese is all snarky. He's like, oh, what a pretty little wedding. <laughs> Boy. Mm. Tell us how you really feel there, Reese. At least somebody's being consistent. Yes. Thank God. Tamlin's trying to kick him out, telling him to leave. And Reese is like, oh, no, no, no. I don't think so. Um, I need to call in the bargain with my favorite darling. <laughs> and, of course, Fair's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All I hear is that TikTok sound. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, crap. <laughs> and, and Reese is like, you know what happens if you break the bargain? And he looks at Farrah and he goes, I gave you three months of freedom. You could at least look happy to see me. In the middle of her wedding that we all know is was going to end no matter what, whether Tamlin had realized it or not, we all know she was done. She was out. Tam's like, don't don't you dare take her and, and at this point Ianthe is gone. The the dais is empty except for Tam, Lucian, and a couple of the centuries. Yeah. And they pulled their their swords out like they were gonna attack and Reese is just kind of looking at them like, really? Go for it. And they do put their swords away. And, yeah, and which made me laugh so hard. It did, because I'm like, oh, you're afraid of being squished like a little grape. Okay. Um, brave boys, you're all so brave. <laughs> Not. And uh, Reese is like, was I interrupting something? I thought it was over. <laughs> Fear's response is, he knew. Through that bond, through whatever magic was between us, he'd known I was about to say no. And then Reese says, at least, Farrah seemed to think so. <laughs> Which, admittedly, like, shitty move, man. <laughs> like, why you gotta call her out like that? Yeah, poor, poor Faye. Poor Farrah. And Tamlin's like, he, 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 he gives in. And, of course, Farrah's like, Tamlin, please don't. Ah, you know. And Reese is like, yeah, 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 I know. I'll return her in one week. <laughs> yeah, it's right. because Tamlin says, like, if you hurt her, and, like, Lucian and Feyre are like, wait a minute, is he letting him take me? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, Lucian's like, wait, what? <laughs> and Feyre's like, wait, what? 
I mean, it says in here, and I love this, it says, even Lucian was gaping at Tamlin, his face white with fury and shock. Yeah, like, Lucian's like, no, but this is our girl. <laughs> what the hell? What are you doing? I don't have a girl, so I have to live vicariously through yours. <laughs> She's my friend, damn it. Um, <laughs> but Reese basically wraps an arm around her, and he's like, hold on. And they literally vanish into the darkness. And right as they come out of the darkness, Reese looks at her and says, welcome to the night court. And we get one of those little crosses for the chapter. <laughs> yep. And it opens with this. Now, now, I want you guys to remember, see, remember back in book one, first time she meets Reese and at Callan Mai, she says, by far, this is the most beautiful man she's ever seen. Yeah. Right? This section starts with, it was the most beautiful place I'd ever seen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I find it funny. It makes me giggle. It does. Our girl is just a mess. <laughs> she's such a mess. And she realizes that she is in a private residence and there's this jasmine scented breeze and she describes it. And I want to read the description because I think it's going to trigger a memory or something. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, she talks about it and she's like, I'm high up in the mountains. There's snow covering Snow coating the mountains, mighty winds are sending veils of it drifting off the peaks like a wandering mist. And this is out of these windows. But they're not really windows, they're just openings. But it's warm, like it's the middle of summer in the palace that mm -hmm. she's in. And she's like, little seating, dining and work areas dotted the hall, sectioned off with those curtains or lush plants or thick rugs scattered over the moonstone floor. A few balls of light bobbed on the breeze along with colored glass lanterns dangling from the arches of the ceiling. Now, I seem to recall in the last book, Fair was in her cell and she had this music and she had this image of this palace in the sky, a moonstone palace in the sky. Yeah, maybe it was a little heavenly, you know, like maybe one of the most beautiful places she's ever seen. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm wondering if somehow she had a vision of this beautiful palace. Just throwing it out there. But Sand tells her, this is my private residence. You are my guest. You are not a prisoner. And they start fighting because Ferris pissed. And Reese is like, you could say thank you. <laughs> well, we discussed in the last book, she got a problem with the thank you phrase. She does. Thank you is not a word she uses often. It takes her a while to learn it. She's like, why do I need to thank you? And he's like, for saving you when you asked. And she's like, I didn't ask for anything. He grabs her hand and he touches it and he's like, I heard you begging someone, anyone to rescue you, to get you out. I heard you say no. He heard all of this through the bond. So I was just like, whoa, you go. And they start talking about it and respond. Resand is like, 
you know, she's, she's talking to him and she's all mad and he's like, you know, you want me to say thank you? And he's like, I want you to say thank you, first of all. Then I want you to take off that hideous dress. And he says, you look exactly like the doe-eyed damsel he and that simpering priestess want you to be. And Feyre's like, you don't know anything about us. And Rhysan says, does Tamlin, does he ever ask you while you hurl your guts up every night or why you can't go into certain rooms or see certain colors? And Feyre's like, get out of my head. She's like, Tamlin had his own horrors to endure and to face down. And Reese is like, likewise, you think I enjoy being awoken every night by visions of you puking? You send everything right down that bond and I don't appreciate having a front row seat when I'm trying to sleep. Which is like super annoying because it's like, oh my God, Tamlin doesn't even know. And this poor man has been like for three months, like, oh my God, she's at it again. <laughs> Oh my god, she's puking again. Here we go. Oh my god. Hey, but not only that, and I just, um, you know, we were talking about people who could <laughs> pull this off, and the look is a thousand percent wrong. Like, this, the look would not work. But do you know who would deliver these lines beautifully? Do you know what these lines remind me of? How we wrote uh, Spike in Buffy. Yes. Spike had some killer comebacks whenever Buffy would be like all down in the dumpsies and he'd be like, you know, oh yeah, poor Slayer. Like, <laughs> and I feel like that's what we're getting here where he's just like, does Tamlin, does Tamlin know you? <laughs> like, I love, I love James Marsters. He's got that nice snarkiness too. He does. All about and, yeah, he does. And, and it would be lovely. Um, I, I don't even, I don't even know if I care that she doesn't look the part. It would just be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Favorite, Favorite's of course freaking out because she realizes she doesn't hear any screaming. She doesn't hear anything. Rem remember people, <laughs> Tamlin has completely brainwashed her about what a horrible, terrible person Resand is. But it's not even just Tamlin. It's like, like everybody. It's everybody. Every. It, it's not even that they know. It's like it's just like the rumor mill. Like everybody's like, I don't know. Nobody knows anything. When they go, like basically, it's like when they go over the border, they don't come back. They must have died. And it's like, or they found a five star hotel and decided to stay there. I mean, true. Like why are we assuming the worst? But okay. True. True, true, true. No, I agree. And, you know, God, God bless Resand, because he's like, look, Amarantha wasn't very creative. Yes, she based Under the Mountain, her court at Under the Mountain, off of the court that's below us. Um, but he's like, I'm not taking you there. You're my guest. And they start arguing a little bit, and he, he makes a comment about mortals and the whole bit, and she gets really pissed off. And she takes her shoe off and she throws it at him and hits him in the head because she threw it so fast. He never saw it coming. Nope. And then she gets the second one. This time he's looking at her. She throws the second one just as fast, just as hard. And he still, this time though, he catches it and it dis he disintegrates it into dust in his hands. 
Because he can. Because he can. <laughs> Just throw this out there, and I thought this was cute, because like you said, he's like, you know, you're not a prisoner, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like the last line, because it reminds us of what he's, like, the last line in that paragraph. He, it's, it reminds us of what he did for her when she had that second stupid little Cinderella task, and he was mm-hmm. like, you don't touch her, you don't mess with her, you don't make her do these stupid tasks. Because mm-hmm. uh, he says, you know, that he's not going to take her under the, you know, under to where his court is. And he says, you made a bargain and I'm calling it in. You'll be my guest here with the privileges of a member of my household. None of my subjects are going to touch you, hurt you, or so much as think ill of you here. That's right. So, like, he he's laying some ground rules. <laughs> Snap. That's all I have to say. Snap. I just like it because, like I said, it's like, you know, we've seen this tree before. (laughs) Yes, we have. We have seen this tree. And after Feyre throws the second shoe and the whole little bit with the shoes, Reese looks at her and all he has to say is, is interesting. Interesting. (laughs) And he tells her where her room is. And sends her on her way. And he turns around and he walks away from her. Yep. And so Feyre goes, and she's on the stairwell headed down to where her room is. And she hears this voice going, well, that didn't go very well. Or that went well, very sarcastically. To which all Rhysand does is snarl because it was a female voice. Feyre has no idea who. She's like, I don't even care at this point. You know, and she goes into her room. And she's like, my room was a dream. Again, most beautiful place she's ever seen, most beautiful man she's ever met. <laughs> Beginning to wonder here, what's going on, Farah? Yeah, it's like she enjoys what the night court might have to offer in more ways than one. Exactly. And, you know, she talks about her room and she's like, you know, the openings aren't windows they're openings like they were upstairs again no you know it was warm not cold the whole bit and she's like you know the room is white and ivory and and this bed is just huge and super like cozy looking but she talks about the bathroom and i have to say i want i want this bathroom (laughs) right Right? I just want the tub. I just really want the tub that's like a pool. I want the tub because it says, this right. is the description, y'all. Occupying the other half of the be- the bedroom, my bathtub was actually a pool. It says a pool. Yes, a pool. Hanging right off the mountain itself. A pool for soaking or enjoying myself. Its far edge seemed to disappear into nothing, the water flowing silently off the side and into the night beyond. A narrow ledge on the adjacent wall was lined with fat, guttering candles whose glow gilded the dark, glassy surface, wafting tendrils of steam. I want a bathtub like that. I want a bathtub so big that it's a swimming pool, dude. I don't know about anyone else. Can I have one? Well, and she says the same thing. I thought when I read that was like, Jesus, this is the guest room. What does Reese's room look like? Exactly. <laughs> and she says this that. And I was like, oh yeah, me too, girl. <laughs> exactly, because she's like, this room was fit for an empress. I'm like, oh my god. So, 
and she agrees that this room definitely proves she's not a prisoner. And fun and fact, so, she uh, doesn't bother to barricade the door. Mind you, she says, because what would be the freaking point? Reese is like the freaking strongest Highlord there is, so what would be the point? But I'm just saying, um, girl set a lot of traps in her old room in the entirety of book one. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but she doesn't even do that with Resand. Granted, she knows Resand has those crazy mind powers, but... Right, so it would probably be useless anyway, but... I think she's also kind of like, wow, this pool is an olive branch. <laughs> yes. And so while she's getting undressed, she's having these thoughts. And she's like, you know, Reese is the least of my concerns. Tamlin had seen the hesitation, but had he understood that I was about to say no? Well, he's pretty dense, so, I mean, probably not. And she's like, I had to explain that there couldn't be a wedding, not for a while yet. Maybe I'd wait until the mating bond snapped into place. Until I knew for sure that it couldn't be some mistake, that I was worthy of him. Maybe wait until he, too, had faced the nightmares stalking him, relaxed his grip on things a bit, on me. Even if I understood his need to protect that fear of losing me, perhaps I should explain everything when I returned. So I have to say, it's like she gets out of, out of the spring court, she gets to the night court, and as she's getting undressed in the night court, she has the first true, legit, come-to-Jesus moment in the book. She really does. Like, it's like, finally, we're, like, using our brain that we were given. Like, oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, girl. Which Go. I think has to do with, and I think we've all probably experienced this, like, sometimes you think clearer if you walk away. Yeah. I agree. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, and I think that for three months she's been living in it, and it's not until yeah. she walked away that she was like, oh, maybe I should talk to him about this. You think? Just a little. In fairness, even Lucian told you that. Yeah. And so she gets dressed, and she, she, as she's getting undressed and into night clothes and the pajamas, she doesn't, she starts to realize she's been, she's crying. She didn't even realize she was crying. So she gets into her pajamas, she gets in the bed, turns out the lights, and literally sobs herself to sleep. Poor baby. Which is kind of sad. Like, it hurts my heart that she's so broken that she's literally crying herself to sleep. There's a little cross. And the next morning, Farrah is awoken by knocking at her door. And these two females come in come to find out they were the two handmaidens that she dealt with under the mountain and their names are Nawala and Carradine it's our ghosty girls remember yes our ghosty girls <laughs> but for the first time Pharaoh wasn't totally sure who they were because they were actually corporeal sorry guys can't talk and they, you know, explain everything. They get the clothes out for her. She goes and gets a bath, and they tell her, they're like, look, you have 30 minutes. <laughs> He's expecting you upstairs for breakfast. She's in her bathtub washing off, and she quite literally feels a tug in her chest like she did under the mountain to get dressed and get up there. Like that, that invisible line being yeah. tugged in her chest. He's like, girl, it's time for breakfast now <laughs> did I stutter 
but she gets dressed and I, I okay this is the first time you guys that that my my costume designer clothing whore side is going to come out but i'm going to talk about it because the clothes in this book yes. oh my God, they give me dreams in crazy ways I have fantasies about some of these clothes and not like in a kinky way, but just in a, as a costume designer, it's like, I literally, I, oh, God, wow. She's getting dressed. Now, the shoes she's wearing are magenta silk and they're near silent on the moonstone floors in her bedroom. Okay. She puts on pants. It's a two piece outfit, it's pants on the top. Although I have to ask, what freaking lunatic puts on shoes before they put on pants? Think about like slippers. I bet she probably put them on. They were like, probably they're probably like mules, and she put them on like with her her robe and walked yeah. over and then got dressed. Took them off, did, and put them back I did on laugh. Again. I was like, what kind of psycho puts their shoes on I, I I thought that she was using them like slippers. I'll I'll be honest. That makes sense. That makes sense. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as practical as I can here. But she talks about this and she says, my high-waisted peach pants were loose and billowing, gathered at the ankles with velvet cuffs of bright gold. The long sleeves of the matching top were made of gossamer, also gathered at the wrists, and the top itself hung just to my navel, revealing a sliver of skin as I walked. Comfortable, easy to move in, to run feminine exotic now kelsey and i've talked about this <laughs> i kind of have this weird not quite i dream of genie vibe going but yeah i, have like this I, Persian... I literally texted kim earlier today when we were like putting our notes together for the show and i was like hey kim um is it wrong if in my notes i describe this as a uh, genie's bottle <laughs> I was like, is that not the vibe we're getting? Because that's the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> They're totally very Persian-esque in, yes. in design is the only way I can, I can describe it. Um, and I just, I'm absolutely fascinated by them. Like, just based off of the description. Yep. I'm intrigued. Anyway. She goes upstairs and she's being her normal smart mouthed snarkiness to be sand. And she's like, I'm not a dog to be summoned. <laughs> Which the thing is, she literally gets to the night court and her personality comes back. Exactly. Like, oh, we finally fight back again. It's like, oh, there's the girl I remember from the first book. So I just, I don't know. I, I was just kind of shocked. And Reese kind of gives her a hard way to go. And, you know, Favor starts asking, she goes, I thought it'd always be dark here because it's the night court. Because remember, she's coming from the spring court where it's spring, 365 days a year or however many days in their calendar year. We're going to go with the calendar we know, which is 365, 366 on the leap year. But it is spring year round. Every single day they have spring. They don't have winter, summer, fall. They have spring. And Reese is like, we're one of the three solar courts. Our nights 
are far more beautiful and our sunsets and dawns are exquisite, but we do adhere to the laws of nature. And she's like, well, do other courts choose not to? And he was like, the nature of the seasonal courts is tied to their high lords, their magic um, and will keeps those courts in eternal spring, winter, fall, or summer. It's always been like that. Um, and it's, it's some kind of a weird stagnation. He goes, but the solar courts, day, dawn, and night, are of a more symbolic nature. We might be powerful, but even we cannot alter the sun's path or strength. So they have four seasons. Now, their nights are far more spectacular in the night court. And Reese tells her, he's like, you know, they're so spectacular that he has people in his court that literally will sleep all day and wake up at night. And, and they're up all night because their nights are truly that spectacular. Which I thought was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it was just really interesting. As and then, someone who has said to their husband, no, we can't move to Florida because I want four seasons. <laughs> I'm guilty of that one. There are lots of places in the U.S. I couldn't live because I need four seasons. Yeah, four I, yeah. Seasons. I pretty much have knocked out every option he's given because I'm like, nah, bro, I need four seasons. So as someone who needs four seasons, <laughs> I can appreciate what the night court is doing here. <laughs> Hello. Now, Resan is looking at her as they're trying to get some food together, and he's noticed that Feyre has actually lost weight. And he comments on it. And Feyre kind of makes this comment, you know, you know, she's like, you're, you're digging through my head whenever you please. And she's like, so I don't see why you're so surprised by it. And he's like, look, I only pay attention when you, he goes, you don't send everything down the bond all the time. It's only sometimes. And he's like, but I can teach you how to stop that. And then she's asking him about the bond. How does it work? And he talks about the fact that, he explains it to her. He's like, think of it as a bridge between us at either end of the door to our respective minds, a shield. My innate talents allow me to slip through the mental shields of anyone I wish, with or without that bridge, unless they're very, very strong or have trained extensively to keep those shields tight. He's like, as a human, the gates to your mind were flung open for me to literally stroll through. He goes, as a fae, sometimes you unwittingly have a shield up, and sometimes when emotion seems to be running strong, that shield vanishes. And sometimes when those shields are open, you might as well be standing at the gates to your mind, shouting your thoughts across the bridge to me. Sometimes I hear them, sometimes I don't. Which I thought is a really interesting way to kind of explain this whole thing. Which I just appreciate that as a reader, we get an explanation. <laughs> yes. Finally, from somebody, there's some kind of an explanation pretty early on, which I do like. Oh, also, just to throw this out there, remember in episode IDK, somewhere along the line, when I was like, exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, G, of her being yeah. like, but he's party. Uh, we already, uh, sir, we already passed one of our uh, sensuous lips comments. <laughs> yes, we did. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I will tell you guys, this chapter is long, and I am trying to, like, barrel through. 
no, you're um, fine. I just thought, you know, in case anybody was counting. <laughs> true. We didn't, exactly, we didn't abandon know, the fact that he's party. <laughs> yeah. And then she's all, she gets mad. She clenches her fork. She quite literally bends the fork. She crushes her fork. And she's like, how often do you just rifle through my mind when my shields are down? And he's like, when I can't tell if your nightmares are real threats or imagined. He goes, when you're about to be married and you silently beg anyone to help you, only when you drop your mental shields and unknowingly blast those things down the bridge and to answer your question before you ask, yes, even with your shields up, I could get through them if I wished. You can train. And I might be able to not go into your head. And she's like, oh, is that what you want to do with me this week? And he's like, actually, this week, I want you to learn how to read. And that's literally how the chapter ends. <laughs> I want you to learn how to read. That's what he tells her. Which actually I think is kind of sweet in a way. Well, it ain't a bad idea. <laughs> like, Jesus, don't drink the Kool-Aid of the crazies. Well, but she does. Because, well she did so yes so here we are at chapter six Reese goes out of his way to explain to her why these are important skills for her to have you know as Tamlin's wife she's going to be expected to maintain her own correspondence and do her favorite chore which is writing up menus um her favorite. Right. <laughs> yeah, her absolute favorite not um and invitations you know. and thank you notes her favorite <laughs> But her favorite chores, you know, all the all the crap that she would like pretty much rather stab herself in the eye than do. But so now it's like maybe do. I shouldn't learn how to read. <laughs> exactly. He does explain to her why these are necessary skills and why he thinks it's important. And then Farah gets angry and she's literally crushing the fork in her hand at the table, at the breakfast table, and she's she's crushing it to the point that Reese is finally like has anyone ever told you that you're unusually strong for a fae? <laughs> and she's like, well, no. And he's like, he's like, have you tested yourself against anyone? And she's like, well, why would I? And he was like, you were resurrected and reborn by the combined powers of the seven high lords. If I were you, I'd be curious to see if anything else transferred to me during that process. This kind of freaks Feyre out a little because she has noticed things as, as you know, we, we have noticed. Um, yeah, this is like, like well, the, she's got like so much denial. It's ridiculous. She's like, no, I didn't think that. Nobody transferred anything to me. Like, what a load of crap, Feyre. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. he knows, we all know. <laughs> we all know. Nice try. Um, and she's, so she gets all defensive and, um, you know, he, she's like, it didn't, I'm not going to learn to write, read, write, and shield from you. <laughs> and he's like, why? From spite? I thought you and I got past that under the mountain. And, you know, he gets upset with her because she, she's, she's not very nice. She has somehow gone from really knowing who Reese is, like, because she did get to know him under the mountain and she did get to trust him a little bit. 
to she's bought into that Kool-Aid from Tamlin and Ianthe and and right? about what a horrible person he is. Right? And like I don't under, like this is so annoying to me because when I read it I was like remember how we had a freaking like 30 minute conversation about how I was like <laughs> dear readers please do not assume that she's been attacked because she doesn't think she's been attacked and then bitch is going to turn around on me in book 2 and be like don't get me started and on what you did to me under the mountain. What he did to you was save y'all life. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, all of a sudden, the conversation stops because they have company. It says in here, and I love this, because remember, book one, she lays eyes on Rhysand for the first time, and she says, and I quote, this is the most beautiful man I've ever seen, remember? And now she's in the yeah. most beautiful place she's ever seen. Right, yeah. the palace. So, there's a theme here. If Rhysand was the most beautiful male I'd ever seen, she was his female equivalent. Okay. And she's like, her bright golden hair was tied back in a casual braid, and the turquoise of her clothes, fashioned like my own, offset her sun-kissed skin, making her practically glow in the morning light. I'm thinking Fair has a little bit of a girl crush. <laughs> just based off of, just based off of the description. Oh, I'm I just saying we now much. know two people more attractive than Taylor. <laughs> Neither one of them are in the spring court, no less. Go figure out. I don't get it. So anyway. Um... <laughs> This is Rhysand's cousin Morgan, and um, and by cousin we mean that term apparently incredibly loosely. <laughs> he, they are related. They are cousins, pretty far removed, but they are cousins and they are related. And and that's kind of, I guess, where we leave it at, right? Yeah, they're like vaguely related in the like it would be weird if they dated kind of way, but not in the like they actually have a whole lot going on like it would be weird to us in 2021 if they dated but it would like not be weird at all if they got married like 100 years you know in 1906 we'd have been like no nah, right. they're like third cousins it's fine <laughs> exactly and uh so of course favor goes to this whole awkward meeting with more because she prefers to go by more not more again and thank God, because it's kind of like how I don't care if m nobody else at this point is calling him Reese. I don't got time for the rest of it. <laughs> well, no, he, he pretty much goes by Reese. Um, really does it? Well, it does, but not when it was like, like, Feyre won't call him that right now, so. No, but yeah. I mean, the book even refers to him as Reese. Well, yeah, because again, who's got the time? <laughs> Good old Reesand. I love me some Reesand. Um, anyway, she's like, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> and Moore looks at her and she's like, liar. <laughs> she's like, you want nothing to do with us, do you? And Wicked Reese is making you sit here. Now, Moore is, yes, if you, you know you're Celtic. See, again, this whole Celtic thing, man, I tell you. More is, this is a reference to the Morrigan, if you know your Celtic, you know, the goddess of death and change. Not necessarily in a bad way, but 
she is the goddess of death and change um if you know a lot of your older your other types of fairy tale uh for saxon norman and celtic more is also another name morgan is also another name for morgan lafay um so it goes into your whole arthur there's there's lots of bits to this so anyway more is more more is very cheerful and very perky but more more can sense if someone's lying but just know that yes when sarah j mass wrote this i know that that's the kind of character i i know she was pulling from that mythology character sure, in mind sure. because it does come back to play in this book and in others in the series um now that we've met her so just don't be surprised by that and reese reese is a little annoyed at her too as a matter of fact and and you know, he, he's like, you're perky today, <laughs> trying to get rid of her. And she's like, forgive me for being excited about having company for once. Moore has decided that no matter what, she is going to befriend Feyre. So it's kind of kind of fun. Um, and as Moore and Reese are chatting about some stuff while they're eating, Feyre suddenly does realize that that name, uh, the voice that she heard talking to Reese last night after they got there and he walked away from her and you know she heard that well that went well that voice was more that she heard um and as they're wrapping up breakfast and and getting ready to go do stuff more does look at Farah and says you know feel free to ask for me if you want any company I'll, I'll be happy to come and hang out with you and keep you company you know be your friend which I thought was actually kind of nice. I mean, she I volunteered there. didn't have to ask. And Well, not only that, but it's like, to me, this is another point in the you're not a prisoner column. Exactly. Like, this person who's close to Reese is willing to make fun of Reese with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and hang out with you with him not around. <laughs> right. I mean, she's totally like, she gives Reese a hard way to go. I mean, she's just giving him hell. And I love it. I love more. More, I, 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 I'm going to gush here for a minute. More is actually like one of my favorite characters in the entire series because she's so fun and she's so irreverent. And I mean, she has very serious moments. And don't, don't get me wrong, she really does. But I just, I adore more. More is the kind of person that I would want as my best friend. So I really like more. And and more is very. She has, she has a really good heart. And and she really. She wants to be friends with Vera. It's it's genuine on her part. She's not. She's really not. And I and I know I'm I'm like breaking like the story part here, but I'm telling you guys, she really wants to be Vera's friend. She really cares about her, and she wants. She really wants to be there for her. And so to me, I'm like, go more. So I'm I'm team more in that sense. So go more again. Um, she's certainly a better friend than I Anthony will ever in a ten million years <sighs> ever be. Ugh, don't even get me started. So, sorry guys, I'm gonna uh, spoiler alert. I don't like Ianthe. I think Ianthe's a bitch. I mean, it. I, I never. She never really made me happy. And then you know, here she is at the wedding. What the day before, and the only color Favor had asked for was no red. And what does Ianthe do but put red down? So I'm sorry. Anybody that can do that is just a bitch. I, I have no patience or use. I no. Mm -mm, also, it's like we realize that you, you may not have enough reasons to hate Ianthe yet. We're just asking you to take our word for it. And it reminds me of I've been listening to the um, 
Lore Olympod podcast where they talk about the Lore Olympus cartoon. And today, the, I've been, I started at the beginning, so I'm only like 10, 10 episodes in, and I think it was like episode 10 or 11. And they were basically like, Apollo can just eat a big bag of dicks. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I feel like that too. And they were like, mind you, if you have not read the whole comic yet, you have no idea why we're telling you that, but just trust us, he's not your friend. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Ianthe. Just trust me right now. He's, she's not he's your not friend. not your friend at all. <laughs> So when I was listening to that, I was like, I've never related to a podcast so hard where it's like, I'm trying not to give you spoilers, but spoilers, this person's a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, she is. She's a total, total wanker. Um, And it just pisses me off because Tamlin buys into it. God damn it. And it's bullshit. Yeah, but anyway, moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Day and breakfast. Reese takes Farah to go and learn how to read and write and lower and, and raise her mental shields. She, he sits there and he starts throwing, the first thing he does is has her look at all these letters and she's like, I know my alphabet, asshole. <laughs> she's, she's not real happy with him. <laughs> In fairness, he's like, well, bitch, since you wouldn't tell me what you know, I have to guess. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He, she's like, I'm not that stupid. He's like, I didn't say you were stupid. I'm just trying to determine where we should begin. Because, you know, she's been so forthcoming. Not. And she's like, can't you just, like, hire a tutor? He's like, tell me how much you know. And she's like, you're a high lord. Don't you have better things to do? And he's like, of course. But none are as enjoyable as seeing you squirm. This is the reason why I like Rhysand. Because he's a total smartass. Yeah, I feel like this is the exact, this exact exchange is like my favorite, because then she's like, you're a real bastard, you know that? (laughs) And he's like, I've been called worse, I think you've called me worse. (laughs) Exactly. Her her favorite word to describe Reese in this book apparently is prick, which just makes me laugh. I will tell you all that right now, it comes back. It comes back multiple times, including in this section. And finally, she's like, he's like, try reading this. And Feyre gets upset. And she's like, what exactly is your stake in all this? You said you'd tell me if I worked with you. And he's like, this is the whole fairy way of thinking here, people. He goes, I didn't specify when I'd tell you. Maybe I resent the idea of of you letting those sycophants and warmongering fools in the spring court make you feel inadequate. Maybe I indeed enjoy seeing you squirm. Or maybe, and she's like, all right, I get it, fine. She's like, prick. And she tries to read the, the paper, and she is struggling. She's going to sound it out. Come to find out what the first thing <laughs> that Reese has written for her to read is, you look absolutely delicious today, Farah. She gets a little offended by that. Okay, but I just, in my head, I can hear it. Because she's, like, been working through this. And he's just, like, waiting for her to put it together. And so she, when she gets through it, she's just like, I can just see it. Because it says, um, I read the next two words and whipped my face towards him. You look absolutely delicious today, Farah. That's what you wrote? Like, you can tell she's just like, what the fuck? And it just cracked me up. Because I'm like, really? You expected any less from him? <laughs> I like, did. 
Right, exactly. I'm like, okay, friend, I've been on you. With, I've been on this journey with you since the last book, and I feel like this is exactly what I expected him to write. Exactly. This is Reese. We've come to expect this from him. Hello. Um, and then he goes into her head, and he's like, well, it's true, isn't it? And she gets angry, and she's yelling at him and wants him to stop. And then she's like, all of a sudden, she locks up because those claws have started to dig into her mind and forcing him to yield to her, him, forcing her to yield to him. And he's like, you know, kick me out. And he was like, this is what happens when you leave your mental shields down. Someone with my sort of powers could slip inside, see what they want, and take your mind for themselves. Or they could shatter it. I am currently standing on the threshold of your mind. If I were to go deeper, all it would take would be half a thought from me and who you are, your very self, would be wiped away. You should be afraid. You should be afraid of this and you should be thanking the God's damned cauldron that in the past three months, no one with my sort of gifts has run into you. Now shove me out. And so she's fighting. She does it. And she finally does figure it out and and it's she describes it as being a wave a wave of self of me to sweep all of him out she didn't let him see the plan in her mind and she rallied and she basically kicked him out and he was like good and he's like so not yet shield me lock me out so i can't get back in and she was already tired because it's 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 hard and she's like, she imagines a wall of adamant snapping down, black as night and a foot thick. The claws retracted a breath before the wall sliced them into. And she, he gets, he compliments her. He's like, good job. Blunt, but nice. And, um, you know, she calls him a pig and they, they argue and Reese starts laughing. And he's like, you know, yes, yes, I am. And you're, but look at you. You read that whole sentence, kicked me out of your mind and shielded excellent work all right he's being a bit of a perk and he is being a little patronizing and that would piss my ass off too i'm not gonna <laughs> lie but he does acknowledge because you know you're reading higher at a higher level than i thought you were and could so he you know he is trying to say you know good job right like he's like at this point it's about practice spelling and more practice he goes, you could be reading novels by Ninsar, and if you keep adding to those shields, you might very well keep me out entirely by then, too. Ninsar. It'd be the first Tamlin and his court would celebrate in nearly 50 years. Amarantha had banned it on a whim, along with a few other small but beloved fey holidays that she had deemed unnecessary. But Ninsar was months from now. You know, they get into this her argument about who who, you know, he really tries to convince her that he is not the enemy that, that Tamlin and Lucian have made him out to be. And she just doesn't want to buy it. She's well, still drinking. The whole, the whole exchange is so shitty to me because it starts out with, like, he's like, you know, oh, yeah, you could, you know, be keeping me out by Ninsar. Like, who knows? Like, and she's like, well, will you keep me the bargain till then, too? Okay, bitch, we already established this bargain's probably for the rest of your life. So just, like, I drop it or come up with a new argument. Like, this right. is just not working. 
and then he, that's when he's like, I don't, like basically that's when he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm, I don't know why you're basically being such a bitch about this because like, I thought like we kind of had an understanding under the mountain. Like I, I'm not your enemy. And then the stupid shit is like he said, she's like, well, Tamlin says you are, everyone else says you are. And I gotta be honest, who the fuck is everyone else? She only talks to three fucking people, Tamlin and Ianthe and Lucian. And honestly, I just don't think Lucian probably talks about anything since they got back from under the mountain. And we know that Ianthe is just a mouthpiece of stupid. So like, I don't really understand because I feel like Favor is like, I got out from under the mountain and then I decided to be really gullible. <laughs> Well, well, she talks to Alice, so she talks to four people, but yeah. Fair, but I also don't think Alice probably gives two rats asses about the recent bit. Like, I don't think she, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the whole exchange is really weird, because then he even says that. He's like, okay, great, that everybody else thinks I'm an asshole. What do you think? And she's just like, you're making, you're making me agree with them. And he's like, no, 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 like, you're full of shit. (laughs) Like, you forget I can get in your head, so I know you're full of crap. Exactly. I mean, he calls her out. Yeah, it's really ugly. It gets really ugly, because, like, I'm looking at it now, and I forgot how ugly it gets. Because he's exactly. like, um, she's like, I don't want to talk about anything related to that with you or them, like, talking about Under the Mountain. And he's like, no, because it's so much easier to pretend it never happened and let them coddle you. And she's like, and she's I don't, like, let, them I don't let them coddle me. Yeah. And he's like, they wrapped, <laughs> they wrapped you up like a present yesterday. Like you were his reward. So. Oh, and then he rages, so. which is fair. Because why would, why would this asshole who sat there and did nothing get a reward? Okay. <laughs> exactly. I know why he's mad. I don't blame Reese for being pissed off about that. Yeah, yeah. He watched the. He watched her kill herself, die. Do everything yeah. she could. She broke herself in so many pieces for him, and yet they treat her like his little. Yeah, his reward for doing what? Nothing. Sitting on his ass. I know, I know. It is so agitating. Oh, but in the fuck, I ain't <laughs> Reese also makes a shitty remark, but it's uh, kind of telling. She's like, he's like, I can't wait to see what Ianthe does when she gets her hands on them, meaning like any heirs that uh, Tamlin and Feyre have. And she says, you don't seem to have a particularly high opinion of her. And he says, no, I can't say that I do. So now Lucian and Reese both hate Ianthe. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm just saying, bitch is a bitch. <laughs> it's kind of telling. I mean, we like Lucian. He may be a bit of a dipshit, but we do like Lucian. And Reese can be a prick, but we like Reese. So I'm just saying, two very reliable sources have said we shouldn't trust her. So I'm going to go with, let's not. Well, and not only that, but so they tell her not to trust him. But, you know, the fact that they're not even friends, it's not like they would be in agreement on this as right. buddies. Let's, let's tell her not to like her because, you know, we're friends, ha ha ha. They're not. They can't stand each other. Exactly. The fact that they both hate her is so telling. So anyway, after this argument, Reese gets pissed and he's like, I gotta go. He's like, you know, start copying this till your letters are perfect. And every time you do a set, raise and lower your shield until that becomes second nature. (laughs) He's done. He's like, I'm out. Peace. And when he finally comes back, 
Farah's mind is kind of mushy. She's she has to admit she is mentally and physically just exhausted from raising and lowering her shields and doing this. And I respect that. I mean it I'm I'm sure it's it's hard. I know when I was in school and I was studying a lot of stuff, especially in grad school. I had some stuff. I had one class that the book was so boring. I swear I learned by osmosis because I read it and slept. I feel like I I spent more time sleeping on the book than I did actually reading the book. So if I learned, it had to be through osmosis. So I understand where she's coming from. I really do. And he's pleased and, um, you know, very impressed with the progress she's made. And so he decides he's going to take her. He, he's, he does one more test on her shield and he's like this is a bit of an asshole thing for him to say but i can appreciate why he says it he's like hopefully i'll be getting a good night's rest at last if you can manage to keep the wall up while you sleep yeah because he's tired of being woken up by her puking which like again i'm just saying her own fucking fiance sleeping in the same damn room as her can't be bothered to wake up. And this poor man has been getting up in the middle of the night. How many nights a week for three months? Because every time she starts puking, she starts thinking and sending shit down the, down the brain waves, waking them up. Like, I don't blame him. He's like, I'm going to teach you to keep your shields up just to shut you up. Right. And I do know... I know Reese is the kind of guy who he would be doing this on purpose and antagonizing her just to motivate her to do it. So well, good for exactly. him. I mean, he he know he does have the psychology behind what he's doing figured for out sure. with her. But at the same time, it's like, dude, really, that was a really shitty thing to say. Anyway, he decides to take Farah on a little field trip because we get a little like in my book, it's a cross. Yes, yes, it is in mine and too. So they go on this little field trip and she's like, you know, I'm scowling at him. I'm behind him like 10 steps and they're walking through the main building and they end up in a round chamber at the top of a tower. And there is a circular table of black stone that occupies the center while the largest stretch of uninterrupted gray stone wall is covered in a massive map of their world. It had been marked and flagged and pinned for whatever reasons she couldn't tell, but her gaze drifted to the windows throughout the room, so many that it felt utterly exposed, breathable. The perfect home, I suppose, for a high lord blessed with wings. Reese stalks to the table. There's another map spread out. Figurines are dotting at surface, a map of Prithian and Highburn. Every court in the land had been marked, along with villages and cities and rivers and mountain passes. Every court, but the night court and she's like not even a mountain range had been etched in it seems strange it's probably part of some strategy and she finds reese watching her and he's like nothing to ask bear's like nope he was like what do you see and she starts looking at it and all she can really finally come up with is well i see a world cleaved in two because she does see where the wall goes through everything and he's like do you think it should remain that way and Favor kind of freaks out and she's like, My family. And Reese is like, Your human family wouldn't be deeply impacted if the wall came down, wouldn't they? So close to its border. If they're lucky, they'll flee across the ocean before it happens. And Favor's like, Will it happen? And Reese is like, Maybe. And Favor's like, What do you mean? And he's like, War is coming. And that's the end of the chapter. 
And I had to laugh because I was like, ooh, ooh, Kim's quoting stuff. I want to read along. So I'm like opening up my Kindle looking at it. And I remember that one time where I was like, exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit H, like, okay, friends, right? Like exhibit Z, because like, remember when you just said that she's walking down the hallway behind him? What kind of freaking description is this? I was still scowling at Reese's muscled back as I kept a healthy test behind him. What the hell, woman? I would never be like, I hate this guy and his muscular back. Like, what the heck? I either so hate the guy or him. I notice his muscular back. He can't be both. I know. She, she hates him so much, but she notices exactly how attractive he is. Huh? Chapter six ends with Reese telling Pharaoh that war is coming. Chapter seven, it literally starts with the first word of the chapter is war. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I mean, poor Pharaoh is freaking out. She thinks Reese Sand's someone who's going to invade. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa Again, whoa. what a dick move. She's literally like, don't invade. Please don't invade. And he's like, what the fuck kind of monster do you think I am? <laughs> I know. She's like, put your shield up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel bad because he's like so frustrated with her. He's just like, I'm trying not to hit you. So please shut up and shield up. <laughs> put that shield up now, goddammit. And um, so she does finally. And then poor Favor's like, but Tamlin hasn't said anything. And Reese cuts her off. He's like, Tamlin? Why would Tamlin, you know, you know. Why would Tamlin say anything? And, and, and then he's like, look, did you think it would end with Amarantha? He's like, you know, the King of Hybern's been planning this campaign to reclaim the world south of the wall for over a hundred years. Amarantha was an experiment. Yeah. A 49-year test to see how easily and how long a territory might fall and be controlled by one of his commanders. One of yeah i think about that and i'm just like oh shit and then reese goes on and he's like look prithian is all that's standing between the king of highburn and the continent and the human lands on the continent i mean it's the seven high lords against you know keeping the rest of the world safe basically and you know, so of course, Highburn wants to remove Prithian off the map, basically, get it <laughs> under his control. Which would, yes, that means the humans on the bottom part of Prithian are going to be taken out too. Yeah, so chapter seven is, like I said, just one big info dump that ends in a shitty, irritating fashion. <laughs> so tell anyway. us how we get there, Kim. <laughs> Let me tell y'all how we get there. 500 years ago. And Reese is like, yeah, I was young, by our standards at least. So we have just now established Reese-Anne is over 500 years old. <laughs> Doesn't look like he's more than his late 20s, early 30s, but the man is over 500 years old. Not to bring up Laura Limpot again, but I'm sure those women wouldn't mind. Uh, I'm laughing because they basically have this same conversation about Persephone and Hades. Where they were like, 
like <laughs> Hades is like sometimes it's like ooh hot daddy Hades and then sometimes you're like oh god he's a grandpa <laughs> yeah uh, it's kind of the same thing here where it's like Pharaoh's like oh he's old oh he's really old, old. and I'm like does it matter after 500 years like is there really a difference between 500 and 700 a thousand years I mean anything past 80 is kind of questionable <laughs> That's about the, you want to talk about the frailness of human life. Here we go. Exactly. It's like anything past 80 already makes me confused. So, I mean, and, and so like, here's the thing is, you know, Farrah's thinking about it like she's still human. She's not, she's high fae. She's going to live forever, like Resand and everybody else here, unless she is killed. I mean, you, you can kill fairies, but you know, like technically she's an immortal now. Go, go do that math. Okay. Cause girlfriend is just losing her shit now. And, you know, he does go on. He talks a little bit about what happened and the fact that, you know, he, he was where the fighting was the worst in the war. And that, you know, he says, I have no interest in ever seeing full-scale full slaughter like that again, period. And he's like, wait, he had, and, and poor Farrah, he goes on this whole rant and Farrah's like, wait, 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 he has allies here. <laughs> and Reese is like, um yeah you know cowards who would rather bow and join him than fight his armies again at which point fair is like whoa 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 did you fight in the war <laughs> this is how this all right remember guys they built the wall 500 years ago after the war okay so do some math here fair is what 19 20 she just turned 20 20 And he's like, you know, Amarantha was the first part of the plan. We now have several untested high lords, broken courts with high priestesses angling for control like wolves around a carcass, and a people who have realized how powerless they might truly be. And I find it very telling that he's telling her this because, you know, so it, it definitely... You know, he's, he's, Rhysand's old enough to have been giving this some serious thought at this point in his life, especially after 49 years of Amarantha. He doesn't have to. I mean, let's face it, Tamlin certainly wouldn't be telling her shit, right? Well, she even says that. She's like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, like, just shows how jaded she is at this point. Like, she doesn't even realize that, like, like, my first thought if he was telling me this would have been, like, I'm gonna take this in and I'm gonna bitch out Tam later because why do I have to hear this from essentially a stranger instead of my fiancé, right? Exactly. But, but instead, she's just like, why are you telling me this? Like, no, nah, bitch, you're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> exactly. And she's like, and I auntie, she might be ambitious, but she was Tamlin's friend, my friend of sorts. Perhaps oh, the only honey. ally we'd have against the other high priestesses. I'm like, really, Sugar? You now know two people, one you do consider a friend who does not like her. Hello? Does that not tell you anything? And he's like, Lisa, and I, I highlighted this specifically. Lisa's like, I am telling you for two reasons. One, you're close to Tamlin. He has men but he also has long existing ties to Highburn. 
The bear was like, he'd never help the king. Reese holds up a hand. I want to know if Tamlin is willing to fight with us, if he can use those connections to our advantage. As he and I had strained relations, you have the pleasure of being the go-between. And Pharaoh's like, he doesn't inform me of those things. And Reese responds with, perhaps it's time he did. Perhaps it's time you insisted. And Pharaoh's like, well, what's your other reason? And Reese looks her up and down, ass assessing, Wayne, you have a skill set that I need. Rumor has it you caught a surreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she did. <laughs> and she's like, it wasn't that hard. And Reese comes back with, I've tried and failed twice. Oi. But that's a discussion for another day. So I'm just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> He's like, I need you to help me to use those skills of yours to track down what I need. And she's like, what do you need? Whatever's tied to my reading and shielding, I'm guessing. And he's like, ah, oh, you'll learn about it later. <laughs> I mean, he's giving her crumbs, but he certainly is not telling her everything. And she's like, well, I could betray you whenever I feel like it. And he's like, yeah, you could, but you won't. <laughs> Which I just, I love this because he knows, he knows her well enough to know that she's just talking smack. And, and then he goes, and then, then there is the matter of your powers. And she's like, I don't have any powers. <laughs> Again, defensive much? And Reese crosses his legs and he says to her, don't you? The strength, the speed. If I didn't know better, I'd say you and Tamlin were doing a very good job of pretending you're normal. That the powers you're displaying aren't usually the first indications among our kind that a high lord's son might become his heir. And Reese is like, you were given life by all seven of us. Your very essence is tied to us, born from us. What if we gave you more than we expected? What if you could stand against us, hold your own, a high lady? And then, of course, thanks to Tamlin, Pharaoh's <laughs> response is, there are no high ladies. And Reese is like, we'll talk about that later, too. But yes, Pharaoh, there can be high ladies. And perhaps you aren't one of them. But what if you were something similar? What if you were able to wield the power of seven high lords at once? What if you could blend into darkness or shapeshift or freeze over an entire room, an entire army? And he's like, do you understand what that might mean in an oncoming war? Do you understand how it might destroy you if you don't learn how to control it? And she's like, kind of starting to freak out. And, and they get into this argument about her powers and what Tamlin will and will not allow, by the way, people. Hello? Yeah, I mean, I just love how she's just, like, too busy being, like, awestruck by this conversation where she's like, oh, war! Powers! But she, like, never Ooh. picks up on the fact that her stupid-ass fiancé lied about there being no highlights. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I'd have been like, hold up. Wait, no, you said we'll talk about this later. No, we're talking about this right now. Because <laughs> I need to know if I need to go back and beat the shit out of him or not. <laughs> I know. I mean, for real. I was reading it and was like, the fuck. Um, but, hey, 
she's focused on that. But he, it's funny because they start arguing and he's like, you know, Tamlin's not going to allow you to do this. And Tamlin and, and, and Reese is like, he's not your keeper. And she's like, I'm his subject and he's my high lord. And Reese Ann comes back very strongly and says, you are no one's subject. And, um, which I like just, claps I, for some feminism there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, go, Reese. Because he goes on and he's like, I will say this once and only once. You can be a pawn, be someone's reward, and spend the rest of your immortal life bowing and scraping and pretending you're less than him, than Ianthe, than any of us. If you want to pick that road, then fine. A shame, but it's your choice. But I know you more than you realize, I think, and I don't believe for one damn minute that you're remotely fine with being a pretty trophy for someone who sat on his ass for nearly 50 years, then sat on his ass while you were shredded apart. Finally, somebody besides us said it. Yes. I'm like, go Reese. You called him out. And then he's like, or you've got another choice. You can master whatever powers we gave you and make it count. You can play a role in this war because war is coming one way or another. And do not try to delude yourself that any of the Fae will give a shit about your family across the wall when our whole territory is likely to become a charnel house. I'm like, you go. I know, right? In one speech... He pretty much just lays out everything you and I have been complaining about Tamlin about for the last last half of the last book and then so far all of this book. Yeah. Okay. So Reese gives her a choice and he's like, it's your choice to make. I'm going to give you the week. And then we get another one of those little cross things to indicate a break. This probably could have been a good chapter break in my opinion, but whatever. Really, really could have. Like, okay. So then she's like, after this new section, she doesn't see Reese or more for the rest of the week. She spends the week raising and lowering her mental shields and writing out the lovely sentences that Reese has her fill out, which are Resand is the most handsome High Lord. Resand is the most delightful High Lord. Resand is the most cunning High Lord, and so on. He only changes the one word, the rest of the sentence stays the same. So she does it, and the week is ending, and Fair is approaching the last day on a, for breakfast to the, to the room that they did breakfast in the first time. Anyway, so Fair comes up on, you know, she's going to the breakfast room, and she hears, she hears uh, we sand and more talking, and so she's listening to this conversation, and Reese is pacing, he's all upset, Moore's lounging, and she's like, you know, Azrael would want to know. And he's like, Azrael can go to hell, but he probably knows already. And Rhysand's getting ready to dismiss her. And Moore looks at Farah and kind of gives her a pained smile. And he's like, say what you came here to say, Moore. And he's resuming his pacing. And Moore kind of rolls her eyes and, again, looks at Farah and kind of gives her a I'm sorry face, you know? And she's like, there was another attack at a temple in Caesar. Almost every priest is slain. The trove was looted. And she's like, we don't know who did it. 
same tracks as last time, small group, bodies that showed signs of wounds from large blades, no trace of where they came from or how they disappeared, no survivors. The bodies weren't even found until a day later when a group of pilgrims came by. And we see on the shadows start to wrap around him, his wings come out, and he gets all angry. And we get and another voice- great description. Great Beautiful, brutal wings, membranous and clawed like a bat's, dark as night and strong as hell. <laughs> oh, fair dear. Just go paint the damn yeah. wings and leave us all out of it. <laughs> exactly. And then it goes from there. She goes, even the way he stood seemed altered, steadier, grounded, like some final piece of him had clicked into place. Really, girlfriend? And then, you know, Reese is like, you know, what did Azrael have to say? And Moore's like, he's pissed. Cassian, even more so. He's convinced it must be one of the rogue Illyrian war bands intent on winning new territory. And she's like, some of them supported Amarantha? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, some, but me and mine have enjoyed ourselves hunting them down these past few months and ending them. And Pharaoh's like, that's why you weren't around for all those months. And he's like, I was busy with a lot of things. He wouldn't give her a straight answer. So go Reese. And then he literally just walks off the edge of this veranda. Wings <laughs> and at all. And then he vanishes. And she's like, well, goodbye to you too. <laughs> Doesn't say goodbye to her nothing. He just walks right off the edge and poof, gone. In fairness, he scares the shit out of her, which cracks me up. Because she says, Cerise didn't so much as say goodbye before he simply walked up the edge of the veranda into thin air. My heart stopped dead, but before I could cry out, he swept past with this, what is it? Swift as uh, the wicked wind. (laughs) I know. And I was like, yeah, it reminds me of, I think, isn't that Aladdin? Yeah. When he steps off the veranda and Jasmine's like, what the hell? But he stepped off onto the flying carpet. So he's like right there when she looks over. (laughs) Yeah. Do you trust me? Yeah. (laughs) It's that. It's awesome. I love it. So she goes back and she spends the rest of the day doing her sentences. Went to bed. And... Farrah's realizing he's upset because of what happened at the temple and, and she's trying to be nice and she's like, look, I'm really sorry about it. And he's still angry. And then she's like, all right, hold the train. What are Illyrian war bands? Yeah, she's like, okay, now we're going to play the definition game. I'm going to say a word and you're going to tell me what the hell it means. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like match game in a weird way. I don't know. Anyway... She gets up in the morning and sprawled in his usual chair. Reese was in the same clothes as yesterday. And he's like, yeah, you'll ignore it. Sweep it under the rug like everything else. I'm like, he just starts like swinging back at her. So part of me's like, like, well, you go, Reese. He's saying all the shit we said in the first book. And then, you know, she's like, she, she, they, they continued arguing. And finally he's like, please take me home. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll tell him more you said goodbye. And and Pharaoh's like, I barely saw her a week. And then Reese comes back, and this is a really good one, because Pharaoh kind of set herself up for this when she says that. And he's like, she was waiting for an invitation. She didn't want to pester you. 
I wish she extended me the same courtesy. So her offer of friendship and hanging out with Farah was legit. All she had to do was ask for more. But more didn't want to like crowd her and, and, and be all up in her grill. Right, because she's the opposite. She's the anti-Anthony. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, he, then so they're getting ready to go and he's like, have you thought about my offer? And she's like, I'll let you know next month. And he stops. And he, he looks at her. He's like, I told you once, I'll tell you again. I am not your enemy. And so Farrah's response is, well, I told you once, so I'll tell you again. You're Tamlin's enemy, so I suppose that makes you mine. And he's like, does it? And she goes, well, free me from my bargain and let's find out. And he's like, I can't do that. And she responds with can't or won't. He extends his hand and he's like, shall we go? And so they, he takes her back to the spring court. And as soon as they land, she shoves away from him and she bolts for the manor house. And as she gets ready to go, Reese is like, good luck. And she's like, get off of me. He's like, I'll see you next month. <laughs> he disappears. Oy. And again, the chapter could end here, but it was like, nah, let's make sure we piss you off about Tamlin before we leave you at the end of this chapter. So friends, let's piss you off about Tamlin before we end you with this episode. <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, she's been a bitch all morning to poor Reese, and now ugh, Tamlin's just as bad, if not worse, to her. Yeah, it's just a whole hell of a lot of ugly. Everybody really needed to sleep in an extra two hours, drink a second cup of coffee, and get a, like, donut, okay? They need something, man. Watch some right. cartoons. This whole day. Oh Yeah, this whole day started off, like, on the wrong side of the bed for everybody. <laughs> Maybe they should have had mimosas or something, some hair of the dog. I don't know. God's blessing? I mean, they needed something here. Boy. Anyway, so uh, piss us off with some Tamlin facts, Kim. <laughs> so she gets into the house, and where does she find Tamlin and Lucian? In Tamlin's study. And, of course, Lucian, who sees her first? But Lucian, not Tamlin, Lucian sees her first. But literally, as soon as he does, then Tam does. But I was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just cracking up because the first person to notice her in the room was Lucian. Not Tamlin, Lucian. The first person who notices her is not her fiancé, but the dude with one fucking eye. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then he gets to her so fast that she, he, he is literally crushing her against him. Poor thing. And then he's like, are you all right? Are you hurt? And he's checking her out. And she's like, I'm fine. No one touched me. He's freaking out because she's wearing night court clothes. It's not like she had any spring court clothes to put on to come back with. Because, well, let's face it. The only thing she had was her wedding dress. Yeah, I was going to say, we burned that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and if she didn't, something tells me Nuala and Karen did. <laughs> yeah, they took it away. That's been what's been heating the house all week. <laughs> probably has <laughs> so anyway and she keeps going no one touched me like he doesn't believe her and Lucian and the other sentries try to leave 
And he's like, well, he can hurt you in other ways, Tamlin says this to her. And she's like, I know, I'm all right, truly, I, I, I am all right. And then she notices the, the, the study walls. They're covered in claw marks. And apparently Tamlin trashed his study. And she asks them about it. And then Tamlin's response, now here's the adult response, okay? Tell me how adult this is, not. I trashed half the house. He took you away. He stole you. And Vera's answer to that is, and he left me alone. And so Tamlin's just having a rant. And he's temper tantrum. He's literally having temper tantrum, basically. No, having a rant. I, it's annoying to me because, like, the timing sucks. I understand from Tamlin's point of view, like, a guy came and crashed your wedding day and took your bride away. And I guess Tamlin lives under a rock and had no idea that Pharaoh was going to say no. So in his view, he's like, oh, well, he stole her away, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but on the other hand, like, you knew, like, we all knew this bargain existed. So, like, we were, we should have all just been, like, waiting for the day he showed up. Exactly. And also, if, if you two get along as poorly as you say you do, it should have been no shock that he'd show up on your wedding day. I feel like this is not that, like, I, like, I don't, I, uh, I can't even words. <laughs> I just feel like this is not shocking to anyone but Tamlin. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy. It kills me. Because, you know, basically, Re Tam just goes off on this whole rant about Reese and how horrible he is and all the horrible things he's going to do to her. And I'm like, really, dude? Really? You think that? I don't think so, but okay. And she's like, he's like, well, I'm not letting you go again. And she's like, oh, you found a way out of this? And he's like, I'm just not going to let you. Um, there are consequences for this asshole. Don't let her. See what happens. I don't care. You know, I mean, God, what a dickhead. And well, and he says, damn the consequences. And she's like, I heard it for the empty threat it was. And I was like, girlfriend, these are red flags. Like, how many times exactly. have you said stuff that you know is bullshit at this point? Like, hello. Exactly. And she's like, you know, he was a protector, defender. I couldn't ask him to stop being that way, to stop worrying about me. Well, no, you can't. But you know, is this really the healthiest thing? Is right. what crosses my mind. And she's like, I rose onto my toes and kissed him. There was so much I wanted to ask him, but later, let's go upstairs. And he slid his arms around her. She's like, I missed you. He said, he says, I missed you. I went out of my mind. And that's all she needed to hear until he says, I need to ask you some questions. I'm sorry. You haven't seen her in a week. She left in the middle of the wedding. And you're going to ask her questions? Well, right. And that's even kind of what she's implying. It's like she was trying to get something going. And she's like, no, later. And he's like, no, now. And she's like, no, later. And he's like, no, now. And then fucking calls Lucian into the room. <laughs> right. Because he's like, well, it's all fresh in your mind. She would be so sex-addled that she wouldn't be able to remember this? Really? You're that much of a sex god, dude. Okay. Doubtful since your plan was to spend like 90 seconds doing it in the hallway before her last trial, but what the fuck do I know? Exactly. That's kind of my point. 
he's like, you know, I'm sorry. This is for our own good, our safety. And she's like, she took in the shredded walls, the scuffed and chipped furniture. And she's like, I know, I know Tamlin. Or she was trying to. And I'm just thinking, okay, honey, why are you trying so hard? It's not healthy. Yeah. And so Lucian comes in, closing the door behind him. And he, what is the first thing Lucian says to her? Glad to see you in one piece, Feyre. I could do without the night court attire, though. Well, what were you expecting her to come back in then? Her birthday suit, Lucian? Yeah, but at the same time, I got to give him credit because I feel like a lot of times Lucian says this stuff to like almost like force a sense of normalcy. True. Like, look, I'm not acting weird. Everybody else might be acting weird, but I'm just going to say the things I would always say and pretend everything's normal. <laughs> exactly. I just, oh, he's such a dick. I'm sorry. It just, Tamlin becomes such a dick. It pisses me off. And he's like, we need you to tell us everything. The layout of the night court, who you saw, what weapons and powers they bore, what Reese did, who he spoke to, and every detail you can recall. Again, I go back to my point exhibit whatever she just got back she's been gone a week she was taken on your wedding day you can't even be bothered to be cute and affectionate with her for more than two seconds and now you're gonna grill her ass okay but not only that you're gonna grill her ass and then like I'm, i don't i don't understand it's like ah, uh, they <laughs> they think that reese is some sort of like Monster. crazy smart like like manipulative war chieftain and they believe that except they also think he's stupid enough to like do shit in front of her you can't exactly. have it both ways no like he can't be some like fucking like evil genius but then you think that you're dumb like and, and, and admittedly it's not that I think Favor is dumb, but they clearly think Favor is dumb and useless most of the time. So it's like, wait a minute, you think he's an evil genius, and yet you think your dumb bride can infiltrate that and bring back information. Like, again, you can't have it both ways. Then either she's smart or he's stupid or both. Or <laughs> Pick one. Pick a fucking side and stay there. Sorry, people. We warned you. Feelings? I have feelings in this book. And they do start coming out. So I apologize for my mouth. But. And her response to all of this demand of, of Tamlin's is, I didn't realize I was a spy. And Tamlin's like, as much as I hate your bargain, you've been granted access into the night court. Outsiders rarely get to go in. And if they do, they rarely come out in one piece. And if they can function, their memories are usually scrambled. Whatever Resand is hiding in there, he doesn't want us knowing about it. And then Ferris, like, she's, she kind of freaks out a little, and she's like, why do you want to know? What are you going to do? And he's like, well, knowing my enemy's plans, his lifestyle is vital. As for what we're going to do, well, that's neither here nor there. Start with the layout of the court. Is it true? It's under a mountain. And she's like, this feels like an interrogation. And it continues. And then Fair was like, I can remember everything. He didn't damage my mind. And before he could question her further, she began to speak of everything she had seen. And then it pops into her head what Reese had said to her, which is, because I trust you. And then she's like, well, maybe then he did scramble my mind. And I'm thinking, really? Really? Because then she's, she's trying to say, you know, the whole, uh, 
she she's like you know maybe he did because i made this bargain out of desperation i'm like girlfriend girlfriend get your shit straight man you are just you're a mess basically and i get i get a little angry at her because she's just she can't get it together you know like she can't decide it's like i said it's like somehow she came back from under the mountain gullible and that makes no sense to me exactly like i don't know i I understand coming out like hurt and confused and you know traumatized but just straight stupid makes no sense (laughs) exactly like she has some serious here let me hit you with a stupid mallet you know i'm just god damn girl and so she she talks about the the room and the whole bit and and you know talks about what happened in Cesare that you know they mentioned Cassian and Azrael which has to be like such a shit show because you know she's like piecing it together the best she can so you know she's like and then he said something about some like Illyrians and I'm not really sure what those are but it sounds like he was taking care of it Exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, that makes no sense, because then you know that Tamlin's like, wait, so he has a problem and he's taking care of it? Well, then what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't feel like this is useful information. <laughs> but she does utter the one concern that she has is, you know, the powers you believed I now possess and Hybern's plans. And they're both dead silent when she's she's done though though apparently lucian is trying really hard not to like start asking 20 million questions and so she's like she holds she looks tamlin in the face and she's like well do you think i might have those abilities and tamlin's like well it's possible and if it's true lucian finally said it at last he goes it's a power other high lords might kill for my father, for one, would not be pleased to learn a drop of his power is missing or that Tamlin's bride now has it. He'd do anything to make sure you don't possess it, including kill you. There are other High Lords who would agree. That thing beneath my skin began roiling. I'd never use it against anyone. And Feyre, you know, poor Feyre. Now she's totally freaking out. And Tamlin's playing her because he's he's making her afraid and if if she's going to become a target why would you set her up like this i guess that's where i get upset yeah I but like i don't even think i think yeah in a way i think you and i interpreted that differently i don't even think she's worried at this point i think she's mad well yeah that because too. she says uh, like a couple lines down she's like did you know did you suspect and he's just like i hoped it wasn't true and it's like Bitch, hoping is useless. Like, if you at all suspected this, you should have talked to her about it. So, like, I feel... Exactly. Like, this is... I feel like, in a way, she's finally waking up a little bit. Like, wait a fucking minute. Exactly. Because he's like, well, and now that Reese suspects, there's no telling what he'll do with that information. Really? Well, that's what she said. She's like, well, he's saying I should train. And Tamlin's like, well, that would draw too much attention. You don't need to train. I can guard you. Really, dude. Really. Like, you protected your people from Amarantha. Or like you did fuck all under the mountain. Or like how you managed yeah. to keep Reese from taking her on your wedding day. Like, so far, you are like, what? 0-3? Like... <laughs> the odds are not in his favor. 
she's like, why can't I train? You know, I could use it to, to protect us against Highward. And he's like, that's out of the question. There's going to be no war against Tyburn. I'm like, really, dude? Head in the sand much? Really? You just had 49 years of hell under Amarantha, but Highburn's not going to try something else? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, they continue to argue about this and, and talk about whether or not there's going to be war. And even, even Lucian is like, look, I have sources looking into it. But, you know, he's kind of confirming that, yes, war is kind of on the, the horizon. Right. So then at the end of this, then, you know, Tamla's like, well, describe the war room, the map in the war room again. I mean, and, and she says in here in her internal monologue, she's like, in the discussion, no room for debate. Yeah. Well, and it's and, hard because, like, during their argument, Lucian even kind of jumps in and tries to say, like, well, maybe we could train her in secret, or maybe we could at right. least, you know, figure something out, figure out what she does have or doesn't have or whatever, and Tamlin's all like, no, and, like, he does that whole fucking, like, gaslighting shit where, like, she was trying to explain that basically what she got from Reese was, uh, whether or not Reese is correct about any of it, He's probably right about the fact that if Hybern's going to go after anything, he's going to go after the human lands, and that's where her fucking family is, so she wants to be included on these conversations from here out, and Tam's right. all, it's dangerous, and she's all, I don't give a shit, and he's like, I care, I care if you die, if you're hurt, if you will be in danger every moment for the rest of our lives, so there will be no training, and we're going to keep this between us. What kind of gaslighting bullshit is that? And like I said, Lucian even kind of calls him out on it, he's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we could figure something out. Right. So like, I mean, it's, like, it's like it's one thing when they're arguing about it, but like it's just straight up like ugly at this point. Like you said, where she's like, end of discussion, no room for debate. Like what the hell? And I mean, he he comes out and he says, and there will be no conflict with Highburn, no war. Really, dude, you can make that promise. I was gonna say, really? like, he has that control. You you are not demonstrating that you have that kind of power. Nice try there, bud. And they they go through this and they they stare they literally are staring each other down, and then she has in his in this internal monologue blah 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 blah, in her internal monologue. You know she's like he was the high lord, my high lord. He was the shield and defender of his people, of me, and if keeping me safe meant that his people could continue to hope to build a new life, that he could do the same. I could somehow bow down to him on this one thing. I could do it. You were no one's subject. Maybe Resand had altered my mind, shields or no. And the, that thought was enough to get her to start telling Tamlin everything again. And that's how the chapter ends. Which is wild to me because... It's like she had, it's, it's like we're watching her struggle in her own mind between two sides where she's like, well, I love Tamlin and Tamlin's trying. So I, I guess, I, I guess I could just listen to him. And then she hears Reese's voice in her head where it's like, you're no one's subject. And she's like, or maybe I fucking can't. I don't know. <laughs> right. And, but I mean, her giving in is her falling under the gaslighting that he's doing to her. And you know, the abuse that he is just heaping on her, and it makes me so angry. Yeah, it's super it irritating. Me. 
And like Kim said, it just ends there. That's the end of chapter seven. That's the end of today's episode. And and we picked there because chapter eight picks up with like a whole new series of bullshit. <laughs> it does. It really does. And like chapter no, eight. Kim is not get any better. Yeah, chapter eight is its own fucking problem. And so we were like, we can't include that in this episode. Like as much as it seems like a weird place to stop, we were like, but chapter eight, like what happens in chapter eight leads to like a whole new can of worms. Boy, does it. It's a big can too. It is. So yeah. So today was one through seven and then we will pick up with chapter eight next week. <laughs> Buckle up kids. Here we go. But before we leave you today, uh, Kim has some songs for us for our playlist. <laughs> and some of them are really funny and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> we did have some fun. Remember, I'm all about like being cheeky and having fun where we can. And of course, a playlist is a great way to do that, my friend. So the first songs in this order on our A Court of Mist and Fury podcast playlist are First song is Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead from the Glee soundtrack. Yes, I could have gone with the original, but you know what? I kind of like the Glee people singing it and having fun, the Glee cast, because, well, I don't know. They're, it's kind of funny to hear the different voices singing the different parts of the song. I got a charge out of it. I, I, I understand. <laughs> and, and, and I hope you all know what the reference to the song is, but just in case you don't, it's because Amarantha's dead. She's dead and gone, people. Ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. <sighs> so, then the next song is about where poor Farah, Lucian takes her into the to the village that's being rebuilt, and nobody wants to let her help because she's the hero. And it's this beautiful song, sung in Gaelic by Sting, and it's with the chieftains, and it is called Mogilamar. And it is absolutely a beautiful, beautiful song. Please go listen to it. Um, if you like Celtic women, I know they've done a version of it. But Sting singing it, there's something about Sting. He has such, yeah. a, such a haunting quality to his voice. And I just love it. And of course, the Chieftains. I mean, how can you not love the Chieftains? And it's really a song that's kind of about Pharaoh because it opens off with you know the, the opening lines are about have you ever you know have you ever met someone who's so damaged and fractured and you know they they are kind of stumbling through life and it makes me think of Farah so much because of what it talks about because here she is you know she's the one who's damaged and fractured but I mean she sees it but she doesn't because she's always thinking about it from the standpoint of Tamlin and how damaged he is and and the whole bit and it just seems so appropriate for all these horrible nightmares she has it's literally waking her up and and yeah she's got it bad but then she's like but you know Tamlin has it worse and and it just it struck me as a very appropriate song it's a very fun upbeat song so listen to the lyrics not necessarily the beat of the the, right. the song per se um, the next song, because we're talking about Tamlin being king of Shithill and emperor of Turd Mountain um, during all the pre-wedding events where he's hanging out with all of his buddies that he says he's not like a big social person. Right, Tamlin. I believe you. Uh-huh. No. 
is the song one from a chorus line yes it's talking about a female just take the s off and make it a he you know one singular sensation every step that he takes every breath that he i mean come on it really fits who Tam tamlin is and it kind of goes to the whole peter thing for kelsey and i <laughs> i love chorus line and if i could figure out a way to make dance 10 uh looks three work i would but i still have yet to figure out how that would ever work here and i don't know but god help me if i ever figure it out i will put that song on one of these because i love that song that song is hysterical oh, got it. you know tits and ass let's go girls come on um anyway i digress <laughs> the next song is the impression that i get by the mighty mighty boss tones i'm a huge boss tones fan the next song it's Chapel of Love, whether you want the Bette Midler version or the Dixie Cups, you know, but they're going off to the chapel to get married, boys and girls, you know. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> and to bookend that is... I was saying, but then when they get there, it doesn't really go as planned, does it? <laughs> no. So on the other end of that is Kelsey's suggestion here, which is Getting Married Today from Company, which is another Broadway show by Sondheim. Kelsey, you want to explain why you picked this? Because I, I really like your, your insight on this. <laughs> because I'm not trying to get sued. But uh, I'm just saying, there's this like chunk in the middle where uh, in the song, if you've never seen the show, in the song, uh, it, it starts off like as if they're like walking into the chapel and it's like, you know, all operatic and pretty. And then the bride cuts in and she like, t t she does a lot of speak singing really quickly. It's patter song. And then they go back to like playing the music as if she's walking down the aisle. And then she just cuts in. And I was like, this is so favorite. Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for. A wedding, what's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual. Everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard, which is followed by a honeymoon of where suddenly he realizes he's saddled with a nut and want to kill me, which he should. Thanks a bunch, but I'm not getting married. Go have lunch because I'm not getting married. You've been grand, but I'm not getting married. Don't just stand there. I'm not getting married. And don't tell Paul or Tamlin, but I'm not getting married today <laughs> it's so appropriate you know no. the whole help anybody help get me out of here please yeah and so she's like help anybody and instead of hearing help anybody i heard i'm not getting married you big grandpa i'm not getting married <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. so yeah definitely go check out that song because it is so freaking long and so freaking hilarious <laughs> It is, and it really does kind of fit that whole bit. And then, <laughs> da da, Resand appears and takes her away for a week. And, you know, it kind of, kind of like harkens to that. And we talked about it in the last book the whole Hades and Persephone thing. And there's this beautiful song I heard years and years and years ago. At Ren Fair was my introduction to it from the Body Balladeers. And um, no, they no longer exist. They're, the band has, has broken up. And I'm sorry for that because those ladies had some beautiful music. Um, anyway, but I heard them sing the song. And it's called Demeter's Daughter. And this version is by Grace Griffith. And it's a really, it's a beautiful song. And it talks about Persephone and Hades and their relationship and it almost makes you wonder 
was she really stolen or did she go willingly yeah i mean in this moment even though she was like i don't want to go i feel like you also did not want to stand there so exactly here we are and because of the whole Hades Persephone theme that kind of comes up now in this book because it's now an active theme happening along with the whole beauty and the beast and everything else, um, we just felt it was just an appropriate way to kind of give a nod to it, but also talk about, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty way and, and, and listen to the lyrics, it's, it's a little bit of a different twist on it. And, you know, maybe, maybe she, she feels strongly in other ways and even if she's not necessarily ready to reconcile that so what do i know but you know kelsey and i keep telling you all she's absolutely fascinated with the way this man looks like she talks about him all the friggin time so exhibit i don't even know what letter we're up to xyz who knows but that's kind of our answer to that <laughs> the next song it's ABC, whether you go with the Glee version, Jackson 5, I don't care, but it's so appropriate for, for Feyre learning how to read and write. It is. You know, ABC, one, two, three, yeah, it's there. I'm all for it. I'm down. You go, you go, Michael. Go. <laughs> Enjoy it. Laugh. Because let me tell you, when we heard it, we were cracking up. We were like, oh my goodness, this has to go here. Because it's just so appropriate and funny. And then the final song, because I really think it's fitting, especially as we go into this, starting from this point, going into this next section. Because of how angry. If nothing else, think about it for when he's looking at her in her wedding dress, is the song Mr. Brightside by The Killers. Now, because of some interviews I've seen Sarah J. Mass do, I happen to know she and her husband Josh really like the killers. Irony of ironies. Bonus points. Bonus points. Because I like the killers. I think they're cool. But anyway, I digress. But we think that it's kind of appropriate because, you know, the song is really sung from the point of view of a guy who really likes a girl, but the girl's with someone else. So he's trying to make the best of it. And I really feel like this is kind of resand at this point in the story because I think Reese likes Feyre a whole lot more than he lets on. Okay, but like, and even I, if he didn't, the point is, is he still thinks that she shouldn't be marrying that asshole. This is so true. So like, this it's kind so of a, like, whether or not you're, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, whether or not you're looking at this going, oh, like, maybe he likes her or whatever, like, it's kind of irrelevant because no matter what, we know he's like, well, fuck that dude. <laughs> exactly. We do know he feels that way. So we're going with Mr. Brightside because, you know, poor Reese is trying to find the bright side in all of this crazy shit. So Reese is, is definitely, this is his anthem at this point in the, the story, at least. And those are our songs, boys and girls. Enjoy them. And let and us know if you have any others. And if you're listening on Spotify, you'll be able to hear them at the end of this episode. If you're listening on anything else, you're welcome to go to Spotify and find these songs like we did. Exactly. exactly. And with that, we wrap up the episode and tell you to look for us on all of the things. <laughs> Remember, the it's Massive Fans with two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name. Uh, so yep. we've got our website, MassiveFansBookClub.com, Facebook, Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, 
Pinterest at Massive Fans, TikTok at Massive Fan Pod, and these are linked in the show notes as are the songs. The songs aren't linked there, but they're listed there so you can go find them. And that's I right. Guess, I guess that's all we got today. It's been so fun, and uh, the roller coaster's just beginning. So, uh, buckle up. Okay, well, bye. Okay. <laughs>